now playing in Los Angeles. Exquisite food and drink, world-class art everywhere, spectacular sports, and dazzling Hollywood attractions. Yep, I'm talking about L.A. L.A. offers the full variety of a food scene from game-changing taco trucks to 35 Michelin stars. And you know that Los Angeles has more museums, theaters than New York? Take that, New York! Get your fix in music, film, comedy, and world-class museums. Wow, L.A. has a chip on its shoulder. Plus, get behind-the-scenes movie magic with a world-famous studio tour, exclamation point. That's something that should be on everybody's bucket list. Start here with discoverla.com. L.A., they say it's better than New York. You know, socks, tees, and underwear are the top requested clothing item in homeless shelters. Bombas is hoping by creating comfy essentials and donating one for each one purchased. That is a very cool idea. Yeah, We've been talking cool. about this for a while. The comfort geniuses at Bombas make your everyday things your favorites, whether it's that arch-supporting sock. I love an arch-supporting sock. Mm-hmm. A buttery soft tee or underwear that feels like nothing. Mm. Worried about the wrong size? Bombas offers a hassle-free return with their 100% happiness guarantee. I like Bombas because they have a uh, terrific product, but they also have a, I think, a good social mission. They're helping people. Yeah, it's nice. I like their sock. Yeah, and you like, well, I hope you like their socks, plural. <laughs> I like both. I like the two so that I put on. So you like the, the right and the left. Yes, I do. I like wow. two, two socks. What a brave socks. stance from you, Sona. <laughs> Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 25% off your first purchase. <laughs> Okay, hello, my name is uh, Ellen DeGeneres, and I feel uh, honored uh, about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Having a good time on this podcast. Really good time. Today's a little different because we actually have food in the studio. Mm. Yeah. And uh, my trusty assistant, Sonam Obsession, is frustrated because there's a sandwich in front of her, mm-hmm. but she feels she can't take a bite of it because that would be uh, munching sounds. Yep. At this part, what kind of sandwich? What do you got there? I have a turkey sandwich, and every time I bite on it and I chew, you look at me with such disdain and Not disdain. so much anger. Not disdain, disappointment. What? And anger. <laughs> I'm hungry, and you put a sandwich in front of me, and I can't eat it because we're recording, and that's not cool. Well, that's I think you mean. could. I mean, I'll, I'm going to turn now to the expert in all these matters, Mr. Matt Gorley. Matt, good to see you. Good to see you. you you've been doing podcasts for a long time. Is it okay if Sona bites into her sandwich? Is that off-putting? I think some listeners have a problem with it, but I also say, hey, you know, you got to live. It's worth noting that there are literally 10 bags of potato chips in front of <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, there's a well. ton of bags of potato I chips. I don't know who brought these in. I think someone said to somebody, an intern or, you know, get us some potato chips. They got scared and thought, I need to go and get every bag of potato chip available in the Los Angeles area. Came in on a wheelbarrow. Yeah. You got loud food, too. Chips are loud. Well, chips are loud, but your sandwich, what's the sandwich made of? It's it's turkey, it's cheese, it's sprouts, it's avocado, it's lettuce, it's onions. It's it's really good. I hate Take sprouts. A bite. I hate, yeah, go ahead. Okay, they I'm know it's coming. A Here's a they know it's coming. You can turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen to that. Wow. Fresh. Listen. Doesn't that sound like soldiers marching far off in the distance? Yeah, they're coming. They're like eight miles away, but they're coming. That's the sound of the podcast trolls writing comments about eating on podcasts coming. They hate that, right? Yeah. Uh, now you're, you're chewing so quietly, you're just, it looks like your method, Sona, is to just hold the sandwich in your mouth and let it dissolve over a two-hour period. <laughs> like you're a reptile. Is that what you're doing? I eat, I like to chew it all completely. I know you like to just shovel food in your mouth. Why don't you tell, what are you doing, Gorley? Unwrapping a pickle? That's exactly what I'm doing. All right, we'll just... Oh, God. Mm. So, no, why don't you tell people, because you've witnessed it over a 10-year period, how do I eat? It is horrifying. It is absolutely horrifying. Be I honest. will. Okay, so I'll drop, a, I'll put an entire meal in front of you, and then you'll be like, oh, can you grab me a, a Diet Coke or a Coke Zero, and I'll go get it, and I'll come back, and it's gone, and all the crumbs are on your face. He you, has a crumb on his face yeah. right now. <laughs> Okay, maybe I do. <laughs> you clear. You eat like someone who grew up with too many siblings. Uh huh. Well, gee, I wonder why that is. I think your oldest brother Neil probably ate all of your food. 
And uh, there were six of us. Yeah. And we would sit around one table. And my mother would lower a ham on a cable in, into the middle of the room and we would all jump at it. And uh, there'd be a lot of loud noises and then she would lift the cable and there would just be a half a bone because Neil would eat half the bone. And so, yes, I eat very quickly. Have you witnessed me eat, Gorley? Yeah, I could, I could see that. Is it horrifying? Yeah. Also, I'm self-conscious a- now because I feel like No, people- you're not. You're right. But look at your sandwich. There is one giant bite taken out of the center. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but I can detach my lower jaw. It's clear. The lower jaw comes off and I can actually put it in my pocket. And then I just take a massive chomp off the top. There's a half of a sandwich and the bite radius is like a softball. And it's one bite. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, listen. It's fascinating. It's very hard to change who you are at your core. And my core personality was formed probably between the ages of... Well, the time I was born and three, right? Okay. So I'm pretty much a done deal by the time I'm three years old. How can I change now? It's been a really long time since you lived at home. So you could just chew more (laughs) and chew smaller bites and then just take your time with the food. That's all. Just take your time with it. Enjoy it. It's also you don't want to enjoy it. You're just like sustenance. You don't think I enjoy things? I don't think you enjoy anything. No. no. I, I, I think you may be incapable of that at my short time here. Is that true? Yeah. You yeah. really believe that? Yeah. yeah. So. This is like a horrifying intervention. I'm yeah. sorry. I do enjoy talking to the people on the podcast. I really do. So I really enjoy me. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, oh, God, no, no, no. The oh. special guests. Okay. Oh, sorry. that's embarrassing. I'm sorry. I thought maybe there was oh, going to be a God, nice Oh, God, no, no, Matt. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. that's awkward. No, I do. I, I really do think I am capable of joy. The fact that I'm defending this is making me incredibly self-conscious. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. I do think there's an ability. Uh, I, I love to laugh. Um, hello? I love it when other people are laughing at what I said. There we go. Yeah. That, is that the same thing? No. <laughs> Okay. Well, this was horrible. <laughs> this was terrible. I learned that I'm a, a monster yep. that devours his food uh-huh. and stuffs it in as quickly as he can to just get through life because I'm incapable of joy. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. pretty much you, accurate. That's accurate. settled that. That's yeah. good. All right. Well, what better time to introduce our first guest? <laughs> I really am excited about our guest today. My guest today is a hilarious comedian, television host, writer, and producer. Uh, she has won 32 Emmys. I believe that's too many. I just think, yeah, Yeah. I think she needs to, I mean, really, at this point, 32, Mm -hmm. where do you even store those? No, I know. It's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, that's just, uh, you got to get another basement. She's won 32 Emmys and was awarded the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. She was also honored with the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Obama in 2016. Very excited to sit down uh, with her today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've never said that before. Oh. I think it just adds a little class to the podcast. Uh, but I'm really excited. Ellen DeGeneres is here. Hey, Ellen. This is a true story. My wife and I uh, and our two kids, we, we get this house on a beach. And then I would say about nine months later, we heard, Ellen's here. Ellen and Porsche have bought a house down the beach, and everyone everyone was excited. Mm. My immediate reaction was, well, what, what am I, fucking chopped liver, mm. you know? And apparently I was. Mm. No one excited about me. Everyone excited about you. Then I don't get to go to the beach very often. I work a lot. And when I go to the beach, I don't go to the beach because I am a uh, 56-year-old very white woman. I just can't mm, go oh. out. I can't go outside. Didn't expect the last part. <laughs> yeah. I've been through a lot, Ellen. Oh, wow. And that's why I'm really happy to talk to you. Congratulations. <laughs> um, you look the same. You look uh, you I've look, always you look looked good. this way. Um, yeah, I wouldn't think that you'd spend much. I was surprised that you had a beach house because you don't look like you enjoy the sun. I uh, always, like you, I grew up watching the great TV comedians. And I always, I love... Uh, the original Lucy show. I love Lucy. And I always thought to look like Desi Arnaz, I wanted the idea of having like dark jet black hair and to be friends with the superintendent of the building. And uh, (laughs) I don't know why I threw that in. That's not cool at all. But anyway, uh, I just love the idea of of having dark hair like Hogan on Hogan's Heroes. That's what I wanted to look like. I wanted to look like Elvis. I see. And um, you sound like my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Craig's writing it down. I, I think that's rude, but Craig's writing a lot of this down. But enough about me. Let's talk about you. I saw you uh, for the first time. It was 1987. I remember this really well. I had just pretty much come out to Hollywood as a young punk, gotten a job on a terrible TV show as a writer where they didn't have a host and they were looking for a host. And it was this show on Fox that ended up being called The Wilton North Report. And I was sent out along with a couple of other writers and a producer to, quote, look at talent. I was 22 or 23. I had no business judging anybody on anything. But they just, I'm one of the writers on this show. I went out there. We went to a club and I saw you perform and you were wearing, tell me if this rings a bell with you at all, a gold jacket. Did you ever perform in like a gold jacket? Because it's a very strong memory of mine. So kind of mustard more than gold? Mustard, yeah. yes. It wouldn't be like gold shiny. It wouldn't not, wasn't be, shiny gold. Like, not Elvis going No, no, no. It was like mustard. Yeah, I probably did. Okay. Um, mustard was a color of mine back then. Was it? It's coming back, by the way, right now. First of all, I'll say this. You looked fantastic. Thank you. And you were absolutely hilarious. And I remember thinking, well, that's who should host the show. And Greg Daniels was my writing partner at the time, who does The Office and a million other successful shows. He has proven great taste. He was like, oh, my God, she's fantastic. I remember the producer saying, we've got to keep looking. And then they found, I think, two DJs in San Diego. Mm. who they found preferential <laughs> to Ellen DeGeneres. Well, uh, anyway. My life story in many, many things. <laughs> I, I couldn't get a job. I couldn't, like I moved here and I couldn't get anything because no one knew what to do with me. Yeah. Because I just didn't really fit the, you know, I wasn't the leading lady and I wasn't even really the girl next door. I wasn't I wasn't anything. I just kind of, and my my comedy was was more it wasn't a gender based it wasn't like you know ladies am i right you know and it was it was right. kind of a a different take on things so people really didn't know what to do with me for a long time well i will attest as someone who was there i mean obviously you're you're famous this would have been about a year after your famous uh, tonight show appearance so you had nothing to prove to anybody you were absolutely hilarious and i've always been a huge fan of your rhythm you're just such a fantastic deliverer of comedy, and it's always very special to you. I'm so, I think it's surprising to people now that it didn't happen for you right away. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, times change. It's a it's a whole different time for lots of things now. Um, but I also think it's it's character building. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like you, you know, I think the more adversity you have, the more that you have to prove. And I think we need that. I think we need to kind of struggle and feel, you know, I've said this before with everything that's happened to me, it taught me compassion. It taught me, you know, a lot of things that I wouldn't have, you know, been, you know, had the opportunity to learn those lessons had it not taken so long. I feel bad for people who these immediate, you know, these overnight, these shows that, you know, you're singing on a show and suddenly you're famous or, you know, YouTube and I don't, I don't think that's the way to get famous. Well, I think back then there were very few ways to do it. It was almost impossible to get there. I mean, it's just a lot of young people listening who don't understand that today there's this YouTube, Facebook. You can blow up on TikTok now. Yeah. And I, I think that's unfortunate mm -hmm. because you really learned your craft and you were really, really good at it for a long time and had to overcome a lot to become who you are today. And in those moments, it feels terrible. I mean, that's the other thing is people romanticize it. Yeah. You probably always knew, I'll get through this. You don't know. Yeah. Back then, you probably thought, I don't know, where is this going to oh, go? Oh, yeah. I thought if I'm lucky, I mean, when I would start, you know, when I got out of clubs and I started doing a theater, that was a big deal, you know? And I started making, when I was a headliner, you know, coming from a middle, like all of it is, every step that, that you know, takes you to another level is is enough. You know, all of it was enough. And then to get, you know, a show and to have a show on ABC for, you know, five years, that was enough. Like everything was enough. And then, and then everyone said, well, that's enough. <laughs> and then <laughs> they yeah. were, they were done with me. And then that was is, good. Is that, did it really feel to you like they were done with you? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember it. I, that was from my vantage point, obviously, but at the time I remembered it just was inconceivable to me. Do you know what I mean? That if people are talented, I just think that they're going to, 
Ellen DeGeneres is is going to be doing something else. It's just going to happen. And I mean, you did the Emmys and you were brilliant. Yeah, but that took that took some time. How many years between the cancellation and the Emmys? It was a couple of years, I think, um, which seems like an eternity when you're used to working every single day. Like someone, you know, I think Mike Ovitz told me, you know, something that like he said, you're like a Ferrari in neutral. Like when you work as much as you work and you're not doing anything, you feel like, uh, you know, this is just not comfortable for me. I didn't know how to sit still. I had been working since I was, you know, 20, 21 at that, at that craft. And so I was, you know, to not work for that long. And I don't even know how I got the Emmys. I mean, I, I have such a bad memory of, of the sequence of events, but it was, uh, it was amazing that I got the Emmys. And I think because it was such a horrible time because the war had just started and we had to cancel once. And then when I came back again, and it was that whole business casual thing, Mm -hmm. which just I capitalized on and wore the the swan suit. Yeah. um, yeah. The Bjork. um, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. She really had a good sense of humor about that. (laughs) She she really didn't understand that. Um, The Icelandic, they're not known for their sense of humor. Never never performed there. Uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm banned. And yeah. I've not even mentioned them. Uh, <laughs> and then the Emmys was just the Emmys. I was just hosting, and it, it it didn't lead to anything. But it kind of reminded people that's all I wanted to do. Then I went and, and you know went back and did stand up. But you know that's what I learned too is like even stuff that goes on now in my life when you know people are all bothered by something and I'm in the news. It's like it just it's it's not everybody's world even if it seems like it for me even if a whole bunch of people are supposedly talking about me it's like i i kind of let go of me worrying about anything that's going on because it really is there's so many other people that are worried there are people worried that lost everything just now in fires you know mm-hmm, right. there there's you know much less look at the news and see what's going on like i just have i've just learned you know, over time to, you know, at that time, I didn't know that. At that time, it was like all about me and woe is me and it was horrible and what did I do wrong? I just was honest. and But now I'm not, I just don't really take all that in anymore. But at the time, it was everything. It was my whole world, you know, and I thought the whole world hated me. Really? Mm-hmm. That's awful. Yeah, I'm, it felt bad. I'm sorry. I mean, I've had moments of, you know, when I started out in, in late night and replaced David Letterman and was... uh it was a train wreck for a while. Uh, I remember going and talking to my therapist once and saying, everybody hates me and thinks I'm no good at this job and that I'm not qualified and they just wish that I would go away. And the therapist said, that's just a feeling. And I said, no, it's the cover of USA Today. <laughs> I was able to pull it out and show it to them. And they, I was like, okay, well, all right, yes, I see. It's a pie chart. You are hated. Uh, and... What's funny is those things, I don't know why, they kind of resonate more than the successes. I, but it, it bugs me, but you've had an absurd amount of success, really, uh, in, in, and I mean that in the nicest way, but I think really good comedians, they feel that less than they feel the tough stuff. It's, yeah. You'll always find, are you the one that, you find the face in the crowd that's not laughing? Absolutely. I apologize, by the way. There was, I was not laughing for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I come to all your shows, and I try and yeah. stare you down. No, of course. <laughs> there's, you, you know, there's like an old joke that that uh, some girl comes up to this comedian after a show and says, you know, oh, my God, you know, I saw your show. You're so sexy. I want to go home with you. And, you know, and he said, did you see the first or the second show? <laughs> <laughs> It gets much dirtier than that, what she wants to do to him, but I'm going to save that. But but yeah, yeah. It's, it's how we are. It's like we just, and we always have that measure of, of noise where what it's supposed to sound like here after this joke, and if it doesn't get to that decimal, then you're like, what happened? You know, what happened to the whole audience? They decided that it's not as funny tonight as it was last night. And um, that's why it was, it was really scary for me to go back again after 15 years, because I just thought... You know, I just don't, I don't know if the people. You mean to do the stand-up? Yeah, because yeah. I thought people would not be the same. I think people have changed. Well, let's talk about it. Your your stand-up special, Relatable, you hadn't done a, a special in 15 years. I hadn't done stand-up in 15 years. You hadn't, hadn't done stand-up. hadn't been on a stage in 15 years. So I have a couple of questions. One is, I really loved the special. You had a great set. I was curious, first of all, how does 
Ellen DeGeneres work up a set because so much about working up a set is going places, trying stuff out, failing. It's different if it's you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because oh, you're you. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what it's like to be Ellen DeGeneres? <laughs> no. Okay, let me explain. Uh, okay. I uh, What I did, and I never really... Um, I write at home. I don't ever get up on stage and just, you know, so I I wrote, I had the, the idea. I, I knew because I really thought, what am I going to talk about? My life really has changed. So I decided to go to the absurdity of my life has changed so much that, you know, and just, yeah. but to the butler and right. everything, the escalator in the house. So I, I kind of went over the top and I knew I had that chunk, but I didn't know how long it was. So, and I didn't want to go to a comedy club because I didn't want... Um, people to just laugh because it's me or, or I wanted to go someplace where people would judge me and I wanted to go a place where they don't even really probably watch me. So I went to Largo because Largo is kind of it's like- It's a great space. Yeah, it's a hip- Largo's in La Cienega in, in Los Angeles and just this wonderful, I'm actually going there tonight. It's a great place, a great room. And there's a generous, there's a sort of a generosity in the room too. Like they're up for- and they're they're not up to just see celebrities. They want to see people do good work. Right. See, I didn't I didn't know that ahead of time. I thought they were like really like almost anti television. You know, just I thought they were just going to be a room full of like Bernie Sanders fans of like, you know, <laughs> we hate you. You're successful. Like that's what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I thought if I can if I can get these people to like me, then I'm good because right, right. I knew I'd have fans that you know watch the show and want free shit. So I I just wanted to go someplace. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so <laughs> you give away a lot of VCRs uh, in your uh, in your Netflix special, which is weird because no one uses a VCR we anymore. We give away TCL Roku <laughs> sixty five inch TVs. <laughs> you haven't watched for a while. You don't get so uh, anyway, so I, I went to Largo and I was scared to death. I it was Tig Taro's show, yep. and I thought she'd have a good crowd, and and I I she'd surprise the audience, and I didn't announce that I was going to be there. And it was surprisingly welcoming. People were really happy to see me, which really surprised me. Um, and then they they laughed. It got a, a consistent, like it all worked. And it was 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, my God, that's great. I just need 45 more minutes. <laughs> um, so uh, then I just – I didn't know where to go after that because I that my whole thing was – just over the top rich. And then I just started writing other stuff and I kept going back to Largo and I would announce like that sometimes I'd surprise an audience and, and then I wanted my own night once I had material and I'd go up with a piece of paper and I'd announce like the night before and because I really didn't want my Ellen Show fans. I wanted different people that mm – -hmm. that, um, and I just built it up until I had, and it really, Ted Sarandis, who is, you know, runs Netflix has said, I, I, I never have seen anyone work up a set that fast and do so little shows to do a, a special. It, it literally was, I did it in two months, maybe. Oh, wow. And then I okay. only did nine shows before I shot it. Really? Yeah. One of the things when I watched the special that I was reminded of, that I'm always reminded of is you are a very gifted physical comic. Uh, obviously, you're a great verbal comedian, but when I watch you, you're very funny with your body. You're very funny, and you're very funny in in the way I can see the new heart influence. Mm -hmm. I can see that you're so many people are not willing to take the time to just let the expression on your face do the work. Mm -hmm. And it's it was really fun watching you in that special do all that physical shtick that I. I was. I thought. I think she's having a really fun time doing this. Yeah, trying even, on shoes. That that the, yeah. the trying on shoes thing was really funny, and I could tell that you were stretching it out. You were playing with it, and they kept laughing. So you, I can see what I think is you saying, "I'm going to do this a little more." Yeah, and I'm going to do this a little more. I'm going to try these moves, and it was really fun. Like, there's nothing more fun than watching someone have a good time, right. Enjoy themselves, and then everyone else is happy. Yeah. Which is which is what doesn't happen when you tour too long and too much with it. That's why I only booked, you know, I, I did three shows in San Diego, three in San Francisco, and then three in Seattle where I shot. Um, I just didn't want to get bored with the material. I wanted to still have fun. And I thought, 
I'm risking that I won't be ready and completely polished and know the order, um, but I'd rather do that than than be bored with the material because I get bored really fast. So, um, but yeah, I did. I had so much fun in it. And had I done another show or two, that shoe, the trying on shoe routine, would probably be about twenty minutes long because I <laughs> I added more moves every night, and yeah. it was getting to be so ridiculous. Yeah, but that's the that, it's the fun of it. I yeah, I I, I think. There's the good news. The good news is you've checked every box somebody can check in show business from my perspective. So that's the good news. And you've been uh, doing this for a long time and doing it at a high level. And then you get the inevitable questions of, you know, so how long do you want to keep doing it? And in other professions, people don't just keep coming up to you and saying, so how long you do this microbiology thing? You know what I mean? What are you, how are you gonna? How, so how much longer with the dental reconstruction is going really well? Are you gonna get out soon? And you're like, why? Why are we getting that question? I mean, right. for me, I think they there's a passive aggressive. You should go with you. It's clearly a fear that you will stop. So no, I. But I do. You know, yeah, because I think people know that there's a finite you know amount of time for us to. For, it's it's just a miracle that our shows have gone as long as they've gone because talk shows don't last. I was fortunate to have a conversation with David Letterman and he said the same thing. He said that he got out because he couldn't remember who his guests were. He was gone for a little bit and then he came back and has a show where there's one guest right. <laughs> where he can remember. Uh, my solution is to have the same guest every night. Smart. Actor Richard Kind. <laughs> <laughs> you try getting Richard Kind. Well, I can't. It seems you booked him. Yes. <laughs> Good luck to you, yeah. Helen. Good luck to you. Lots of yeah. stories from Spin City. No, um, it's it's true. It's like, and there's some days when you're, <laughs> there's some days when you're, you know, you're tired or you're like, and you're not as quick or, uh, you know, so I lay in bed at night and think, you know, God, if I would have done this. Or it, but, you know, the one thing I learned when I got into this is that you don't really have to always kill and always have the, the hilarious thing because you can't interrupt a guest. You can't, even though you're thinking something and that's perfect to say there. But if, you know, if they're in the middle of a story, you can't do that. So you just have to let things go. And, and you can't, you don't have to always be hilarious all the time because if it's entertaining enough, people come back and they, they know they're going to find a spot that they're going to get that Conan thing that they're there to see. That leads me to my question, which is a question I get all the time is people ask me, or they'll ask my wife, is he the guy on the show? And she says, well, yeah, but also it's a show, which I think is a fair answer, meaning something would be wrong with me clinically if I was that person on the show. Right. I always think it's a... TV sort of flattens you and presents a two-dimensional version of you. Mm -hmm. And it, you're, you have to make these, as you know, these like six-minute turns where someone's signaling you, we got to go to commercial. And so you figure out a way to dovetail it, get a laugh and say, we'll take a break more with Nicole Kidman after this, or in my case, more with Richard Kind. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> so you just, you get used to that. And I think, yeah, it's a version of me, but it would be inhuman to expect me to be that person. I mean, you talk in your special about people expecting you to always be that Ellen. Be and kind. You, yeah, be, yeah, be kind. And I think, well, you're human. You're a very nice person. You're a very kind person, but you're human. Yeah. So, uh, and you talk about it really well in the special. Like, I, I feel sometimes trapped into... Whenever someone's seeing me, this is their image of me. And so I have to make this really memorable. Like, hey, kid, come here. I'll sign your crutches, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. I actually like to lure uh, <laughs> maimed children. Uh, and they don't know me and they get scared. And I say, no, come here at the crutches. I want them. I'm going to sign them. <laughs> and they, I, they don't know why I'm talking that way. Uh, I upset a lot of people. But you, you feel that pressure somewhat when people are looking at you and you're walking around, or have you grown out of that? I don't, I actually don't think about it. I forget sometimes that, that, oh, that just, you know, I need to like, remember that was a moment for somebody. Like, I don't, I don't think about it. And then I realize, I mean, some, I mean, sometimes I'm aware of it, but for the most part, and, and, unless they kind of are like, I, I hear when they pass me on the street or something, 
like, you know, kind of excitement or something. It's like, oh, you know, I just, but I don't really, but they ask Portia the same thing if I'm the same thing, you know, same at home. And, you know, no, I'm not the same, you know, she's actually funnier than me. She's really funny. I mean, I mean, just, I'm guessing just from Arrested Development. She's hilarious. She's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. That's not even, I mean, she did another show that she was, that showed like how funny she was that didn't, it called Better Off Ted, that it, it didn't last, but her character on that was, but she's, yeah, she's, um, she's so hilarious. But, um, and that's, you know, that's what, it's nice to have somebody at home that gets my sense of humor and that, you know, makes me laugh as well, because it would be horrible that I'm just the person that makes everybody laugh. Mm-hmm. I assume your wife is funny as well. She is really funny and also not having... Any of my foolishness, and I'm, I'm, you know, I have two children, uh, a 16 year old daughter and a, a 14 year old son, and they're just not having it. And so, if I really have some good material, they'll give it up. But when it's not, when I'm trying stuff out, mm-hmm. or I'm just being, and it's not really there, they're like, "Hey, would you knock it off? You know, uh, we're trying to do stuff here. We're wow. trying to, we're we're adults, and you should act like one." <laughs> and it's really pretty. Uh, well, it's depressing, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was about to say it was humanizing. And yeah, humbling, but humbling. no, de- no. depressive. No, I yeah. want nonstop affirmation. And uh, um, that was a loud gulp, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a lot of... It's like a commercial for water. I bet people are thirsty right now listening to this. And you know what? They should buy commercial time. If they're listening and they're thirsty, they should right. buy whatever it is you're drinking. Right. What vodka is that? This is uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a huge gulp of it. <laughs> this is just vermouth. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, yeah. find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You know, our podcast, we've been doing it for five years now, and it's changed over oh, the years. Yeah, yeah, it has. It, I've gotten better looking, I think, stronger. Oh. Um, you no. seem less mentally sharp. I, oh. These I things just happen. I you know. thinking other things. Well, whatever, with like time. Like the studio. We got a new studio. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we got a new studio. But uh, you know what? One thing hasn't changed, and that's the great taste of Miller Lite. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this on the drive in this morning. So much has changed, but not the great taste of Miller Lite. You were I, thinking about Miller Lite this morning. I on the shouted way in? it out the window at the car next to me, and the guy gave me a thumbs up and said, I agree. <laughs> it was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one, if you ask me. Yeah. I like to have a good time. You know that. I'm good. Oh, you love to party. My name is Conan Good Time O'Brien, yeah. and I get together with my gang, my squad, and we crack open some Miller Lights, and all is good in the hood. <laughs> Undebatable quality, great taste, and guess what? Mm. I ran the numbers myself, yeah. only 96 calories. Wow. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. It's a light beer that tastes, guess what? Ding dong, open the door, like a beer. <laughs> 
The original light beer since 1975. Red Sox won the pennant. Anyway, times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Hey, you sell beer? Yes, we do. Bet you have Miller Lite. Yes, we do. <laughs> hey, Muppet, why are you working here? I'm not sure. Celebrate responsibly. <laughs> Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces. If you work in B2B, this one's for you. Yep, no one knows what you do, but fortunately, LinkedIn has the people who do. I'm talking about LinkedIn ads. It's a B2B ad platform that's business to business. There it is. Yep, and it's also a boy band I almost started. <laughs> and it's a, biz it's a platform that allows companies to advertise their products or services. You can target professionals by title, function, industry, and more. Generate leads, drive website traffic, and build brands awareness with LinkedIn ads. Business-to-business -business advertising is about reaching the right people, and LinkedIn has over, get this, 70 million decision makers on their platform. Wow. Yep, with LinkedIn ads, you can reach the people who really need to know what you do. Now listen, it gets even better too because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. That's not bad. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be. To be. I really love your commitment to silliness. Mm -hmm. You... You, uh, I think we have similar inspirations and that is a universal connector to me. And I think that's one of the things that has been key for you is that you are in a lot of your work saying, uh, we're all in this foolishness together and I'm silly and you can laugh at what I'm doing right now. You can laugh at my silliness. You can laugh at my shaggy dog story or my, you know, bit that you do in your special about dancing, you know, when you hit the dance floor. We live in a time right now where so many people are angry and there's a lot of vitriol out there. And I think what's, well, it's kind of nice when comedians can offer it up and say, I'm silly. You can come laugh at me. Uh, you can come enjoy my silliness. Uh, it's a non-judgmental zone. First of all, I wish that, you know, more people were non-judgmental because I think everybody is, we're getting to be so uh, so separate in every single category. Everybody is, you know, going back to like when I came out, like, you know, and it's worse today. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is being judged by, you know, a lot of the gay community for not being gay enough. And I was, you know, the same thing when I came out, like I was too gay or I wasn't gay enough. And, you know, within whatever group of people you supposedly are a part of or represent, you know, there are people that you're not representing properly. It's like no one's trying to represent anybody. You know, I'm just trying to be who I am. And this happens to be, I happen to be gay, but I am not a, a, a leader in any, I'm not political. I'm not. And I just, I just feel like, um, you know, everybody is so, you're supposed to be perfect for them, like, you know, whatever this group of people is, because I was vegan for a while. And I talked about being vegan and that was a mistake because you should never really – because then there was a vegan community that was thrilled that I was their representative because I was somebody that was very vocal and I'm – you know, I've got a platform and I'm talking about being vegan. But now I'm not completely vegan. And even when I was vegan, I wasn't vegan enough like because I wore shoes that had leather on them or I drove a car that had leather in it or – and so there's all these groups of people that that you just can't be good enough for. And – and I just feel like that's, you know, that's why we need to everybody to just calm down. Like, you know, you just and and be silly and play. And, you know, first of all, it keeps it keeps you young. I, I think being angry and being really serious ages people. And I just I you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I'm 61 years old and I feel like I'm, you know, so immature in so many ways. And I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled to be immature. And I just, I, I don't want to grow up and I don't want to, you know, 
I like getting wiser. I like learning lessons, but I don't want to be serious and I don't want to take everything so seriously. And I don't. And and so when people get so upset about so many things, and especially with, you know, politics right now and the, the, the way the world is, it's like I'm an extremely sensitive person. Like I, everything mm-hmm. affects me to the point if I really let it in, it's, which is one of the reasons I became vegan. I looked at these documentaries and these, you know, f- footage of inside factory farming and learned about like research factories and, and just everything. And it just, I I couldn't sleep at night thinking about all the animals that were being tortured, you know, and if, and sometimes when you get too deep into something, it, it just affects you in a, in a way that you, you just get angry at everybody who's not doing exactly what you're doing. And I just finally got to a point where like, I, I can't, I can't live like this. I can't, you know, the world is every, everybody's different and everybody's doing the best that they can. And I'm now doing the best that I can. I've figured out a way that I want to live and the way I want to be. And I don't judge anybody for what they do anymore. And I, I hated judging people. I hated being this vegan person that just, you know, because I was educated about something and you're not educated and you don't know what you're doing. And it's like, no, people people just learn on their own time. And, and so I know this. we came from, you know, what you were just talking about being silly, but it's like part of why I feel like it's really important to just not take everything so seriously and look at the way somebody else is living and and point fingers. And, and I almost feel like we humans have been around. We've been evolving 250,000 years, slowly making our way. And then overnight, the internet showed up. And the internet makes it possible for everybody to be very childish and simplistic about everything and say, this is what I believe in, and it's black and white. And anyone who doesn't fit this on this, on this specific issue, they have a platform to yell at you and be angry. I almost feel like we can't handle the internet. We, need, we probably need like 100,000 years. <laughs> In order to assimilate, as you said, everyone's triggered by everything. Yeah. Everybody's flipping out about every single issue. And so you, you're not allowed to dabble, try things, make a mistake, if it even is a mistake. Yeah. It's not. You're trying things. You're evolving. I've gone through, you know, 50 different types of dietary experiment. You know, there was a year I ate only ham. Uh, <laughs> That seems healthy. Yeah. I fired that doctor. <laughs> it's a little known diet. It didn't get a lot of traction. No? But no, no. The all ham. And I kept a ham on a rope in the shower and I just gnawed at it while I was showering. But but the point is, I've tried a million things and my wife is, would laugh at me every time. She would say, oh, what? You're just drink- now you're just having protein and drinking a lot of water? If you notice that you're, you've been an asshole for six months <laughs> because your body's in ketosis, and I'm like, you know, and then I'll try something else. And then there was the all eclair diet. I mean, everything. I tried every single thing, and I realized that too many silly theories were being made available to me on the internet. And I was getting very judgmental about everyone else's food choices. And then I just was like, enough. Just, just stop it. Turn the volume way down on all of this. It's madness. And I know you've picked, you've done a really good job of saying, okay, I care about gorillas and Mm -hmm. I want to really, that's important to me and I want to try and help them and save them. And I'm going to be really specific about that. I chose squirrels, which- uh, I like squirrels. I'm happy about that. Yeah. They're adorable. I'm, you know what? Very hard to raise money. <laughs> People, it's like, there's a lot of them. Really? They won't give you the money. <laughs> they won't give you the money. They're like, it almost seems like there's too many. And I'm like, we need more. Uh, but um, I think it's really smart that you you pick, you pick your thing. Eat, any human being can only do so much. You pick your thing that you can do. I'm super sensitive about not about stuff like that. I have completely given up on, you know, worrying about what people think of me. I'll address it if I have to just to kind of, you know, it's content for the show. I have to do a show every day. So it's good. I found something to talk about today. Right. But um, but other than that, I don't care what people think because I can't, I've learned I cannot please everybody. And I don't, I, you know, they don't please me either. <laughs> Are you, um, I would hope that you would be happy now. You've accomplished so much. I would hope that you would have a sense of, damn, uh, you know. Yeah. What I do have ab- a sense of damn. Are you? <laughs> but are you able to sit back at all and say, 
it's very easy to fall into a thing where you accomplish a lot, but you minimize it and you stuff it mm-hmm. away because you almost become like, this is a very old analogy, and I apologize to the people in the room who are going to laugh at me, but like a Pac-Man that you're just trying to swallow more of those mm-hmm. little dots. Just bear with me, kids. Uh, it was a game in the 40s. Um, I think sometimes in show business, I see some people that just, they want more, they want more, they want more. And I, and you know I always think there are certain people where I look at them and I say, man, I hope Ellen DeGeneres is able to sit back and go, Jesus Christ, I accomplished. Look at all I've accomplished. You're still going to accomplish more, but you can can you can Maybe feel not. it. Maybe not. I mean, I think so because I'm working on, you know, other things that are that are, you know, happening, but you know, I have like kids that love me. I have like teenagers that like I don't know what it is. I don't what I have no idea. Maybe it's the silliness. It's made, but I, I just I don't I don't know why I'm here and how I got here, but I am so grateful and I am so happy every single day. And I don't ever take it for granted, ever. I I will tell you this, every morning, people listening should know that Ellen and I do our shows on the same lot. And so I take a left-hand turn. There's often a red light there. And so I'm waiting there at the red light. And I'm often, there are times where I'm waiting as your audience is coming in front of me especially if I leave the lot during the day and then I come back, I'll be stopping and I'm watching your audience file in and they are so psyched. They are so happy. And I become enraged because they seem, (laughs) they're better than my crowd. They seem legitimately happier. Uh, We get uh, prisoners from San Bernardino. (laughs) It's a work release program. (laughs) We often have people, we've restrained them from trying to leave. Mm -hmm. And... um, is it the same audience with Richard Kahn? Yes. It's the same audience. And they get, and, yeah. and every night they're like, <laughs> it's I say, Kine and again. tonight we have a great guest. And as I say, ri- they go, Casey Richard Kind. We know. <laughs> we fucking know. And it's, um, I, but I watch your crowd go in and they are just uh, elated. And I, I will have pangs of jealousy. I'll just be, I'll just be looking at your crowd going, Damn, that's a good crowd. You know, part of me wants to like roll down the window. And I'm, I can't believe I'm making the motion yeah. <laughs> of rolling down a 1960s right, car window, right. which uh, right. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I am. I'm, a, I'm an out of date mime. But uh, I want to lean out the window and like, hey, gang, I know you're going to see Alan. Maybe you're going to come see me afterwards, eh? And I. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same guy who wants to sign the crutches. It's the same guy. Hey, wow. kid, come here. I'll sign your crutches. Leave me alone. You're a creep. Uh, but I just, I really, uh, I, I see how happy you make people. and uh, I like how diverse they are, too. I mean, it's a, it's a you know, I, it's, you know, again, like I had lost a lot of people just because of being gay. And so to actually see, you know, young people, you know, older people, white, black, gay, you know, like every color, every age, right. every kind of person from all over the world. People fly in from, like, it is amazing to me. Like, it's amazing that something that I thought destroyed me, um, that that I thought, you know, well, all right, I bet it was the right thing to do, and I'm glad I did it, but, you know, I'm not, my career will never be the same. And then you just kind of, it just goes to show you that you just like, you just trust, I mean, this is like woo-woo stuff, I guess, to some people, but you just trust that the universe really will take care of you if yeah. you're if you yeah. are making decisions for the right reasons if you're not doing it for out of greed out of ego out of anything else if you're just making the right decision for your soul to be exactly who is it's supposed to be while it's here for this time then the universe is going to reward you yeah. and it may not be on your timeline but it will happen mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's what's happening, and I'm going to ride this this wave for as long as I'm supposed to, and enjoy it and be grateful for it because I am. I never thought in a million years I'd be sitting in the place that I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> <laughs> you had me until that last part. I remembered you, uh, yeah, back uh, in in uh, in 1986 on Johnny Carson. You told him my dream is to one day do a podcast. With, with, a Conan. Kid, with a kid named Conan O'Brien. Yeah. He said, who's Conan? I yeah. said, you'll see. You'll see. And he went, well, he doesn't sound good. And he went, well, he's, it's going to take a while. Uh, uh, I have kept you, uh, t- first of all, uh, everyone should know Ellen 
probably did a thousand things today, including a show, and uh, has worked really hard. And I kept her here, but kept her here. It's a, this was a labor of love. I just oh. really loved loved talking to you. And, Thank you. Uh, very honored that you would stop by. I know you're really busy, but. Thank you. My this was pleasure. A, this this was, was a mitzvah, oh, as our people say. Thank you so much. That's a, it's a pleasure, and I, it's so weird that we never really see each other on the lot because we're right here. Uh, I, as I said, I am uh, I am very afraid of the sun. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you will never see me outside. Right, well, if you ever but venture I will, over, I will come over and I will warm up your crowd. Do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you know what? You will not be happy. <laughs> okay. You'll be like, what's wrong with this crowd? They seem upset. Conan was here. Conan was here. And you'd be like, he, he frightened a kid who had a crutch. Uh, anyway, thank you very much, Alan. Thank you. Are you over the winter blues? Yeah. Well, luckily, summer's just around the corner. And what better way to get in a vacation state of mind than booking one? With Carnival Cruise Line. What do you mm, say, Sona? I love a cruise. Yeah, and you could take your twins and your, your husband, Tack. Or I could leave all three of them. Oh, and just go on the and cruise just yourself? just go by myself, yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll come with you, leave my wife behind. No, yeah, I'm good. We'll oh, you're good? Okay. <laughs> I thought you'd want your pal with you, but I guess I'm not. Good. I'm good. Whether you prefer a vacation where you can kick your feet up or dip your toes into the fun, Carnival Cruise Line's the perfect getaway with your travel group like family or friends. Excursions that are sure to excite anyone in your crew like paddleboarding, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Mm. That's a nice place. High-speed ATV ride through the jungle. I've never done that. Me neither. Take a ride on Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea. That's crazy. <laughs> no one does fun like Carnival. If you think you're having fun and it doesn't involve Carnival, you're not having fun. <laughs> Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, the Bahamas and Panama. <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to that do helps. anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. <laughs> All right, it's time to do a voicemail segment that we're now calling Vox Populi. What better way to grow a podcast than to embrace a dead language? (laughs) (laughs) Next week, all Celtic. Will you hand me the tissue that made me... (laughs) My nose started running. <laughs> I actually like, yeah. made a mess. Yes. And then uh, the week you after that. The week The week after that, our podcast will be said only in Assyrian. <laughs> oh, let's do like one in Elvish and Klingon. Yeah. I, I snotted. Okay, well, that's disgusting. <laughs> you sprayed. You know, of all the people who I would imagine would have a real handkerchief. Yeah, I'm not this caricature that you paint me to be. Well, not in this one instant, but uh, in every other ways. You're wearing jodhpurs today. It's ridiculous. I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt and a jacket. He's wearing jodhpurs, trust me. What's a jodhpur? You'll see. It's, it's what like... directors used to wear in the 20s. Oh. Probably got a riding crop as well. All right, let's move on. Okay, let's do... Fox Populi. <laughs> let's do number two. Hi, Conan. This is Taylor. I love the podcast. Here's my question. How come every time you introduce Sona, it sounds like you're not certain you know how to pronounce her last name? Uh, But every time you say her last name, you rush through it as if you're not certain that that's really how to say it. All right. Keep up the good work, gang. Bye. 
Well, a couple things. First of all, I, I didn't get his name. Well, I only have the transcription here, and it says Creighton. This is Taylor, but I don't think either of those are right. Because yeah. I think he called I you I heard, Creighton. I thought I heard Stuart. Yeah, I mean, clearly, first of all, sir, whatever your oh Taylor, Taylor, Taylor yeah. might be. I it. had a hard time hearing <laughs> it, and I think this happens when you call someone from a submarine. <laughs> um, just wait till you surface next time. Open the hatch and get four bars at least. But anyway, thank you for saying kind things about the podcast. Um, do I do that, Sona? Do I act uh, uncertain about your last name? I, I just heard a ding. Who dinged? That hey, can't me. be me. Uh-oh, what That's if it's, not me. Uh-oh. uh-oh. What if it's me? What if I forgot to? <gasps> oh, my God. <clears throat> oh, my God. It was me. I forgot to put. And we can use this because this is really happening. Are you checking it? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can this I say who this is? Proves the podcast is not scripted. This is not scripted because I forgot to turn off my phone. It is, and this is name droppy if I say who it is, but well, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do yeah. it. It's it's uh, it's Paul Rubens. It's Pee Wee. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! And we are taping this particular segment on Halloween because we're taping it ahead of time, and it's a cartoon uh, skeleton being tapped on the shoulder by a cartoon ghost, oh. and then the ghost disappears, and that's from Paul Rubens. That's he just sent you cool. a gift. He a just Halloween sent me gift. a Halloween that's gift. That's amazing. And uh, every oh. and listen, I, I'm not trying to be a dick here. Uh, it's just my phone dinged, and it's Pee-wee, and I'm the happiest person in the world because when you get a Halloween greeting, on, on he, takes his, um, he takes birthdays really seriously, and he takes Christmas, all holidays really seriously. I'm sure he's sending these to a lot of people but the fact that I just got that from Pee Wee is just filled me with joy that's pretty great yeah do you think he'll be my friend no I don't think so because your name is hard to pronounce Um, (laughs) I don't think I'm tentative about your name I think I mean it took me a while to get used to your last name I'm gonna say I'm proud of you it's a mouthful it's a tough one. There's a lot of consonants next to each other that so shouldn't be next. Obsessing. Yes, my father, true story, worked really hard to make sure that our that our names elided mm. with the name O'Brien. He wanted it to, to flow together. And he said, because our last name starts with an O, that's tricky. So if our names, if anyone's name ended in a vowel, that would make it tricky. He's right. If my name was Kona, be now, Brian. <laughs> that would just sound awful, right? Do you have any resentment that they named you Conan? Initially, I did. As a okay. child, I was teased. There was nothing for a while. People just thought it was an interesting name. Then, sometime in the mid-70s, people started to go, Hey, Conan, where's your sword? And I'd say, you quit it, to quit school it. with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> where's your sword? Yeah. Well, it was, you know, he was an upperclassman. Uh, <laughs> Where's your sword? No, but people would do that. They'd be like, where's your sword? And hey, barbarian, like the barbarian, hey, barbarian. And I'd go, quit it, quit it. Just quit it, oh. quit it. And they would shove me and I'd go, come on, cut it out, cut it out. You shouldn't have done that voice. Just like Conan. Yeah. <laughs> cut it out, That's cut not- it out. I'll get you someday. Someday else. Was this just when the comic was out and then the movie came and was it horrible? No, when the, well, the, yeah, it was when the comic was out. And this is before the movie. Yeah. And then the movie came out and I was like, man, I'm screwed. But- as time went on and I got into show business, is that me again? Get it together. Am I? It's no, not that's me. not me. It's not me. Why can't we turn off our phones? Oh, I, it was me. It was Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> what? Marlon what? Brando. Why, man? That's just fantastic. I just was name dropping. I went as big as I could, but then realized he's dead. dead one. <laughs> He's well, that's, I think that's more impressive. impressive yeah, that you're getting Halloween texts from beyond the grave. That's fantastic. It's just him tapping on a skeleton. Marlon yeah, Brando. yeah. You could have chosen anyone. I know. You panicked. I did. You know what you did? You panicked. I did. Oh and I just God. saw a documentary yesterday. He was in, so he's like in my mind. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, you blow it. You panicked. Uh, I did. Well, okay, Mofsesian. Mofsesian. I disagree with this man. I don't know that I've been tentative about your last name. Well, to be fair, this guy didn't really pronounce his own name very well. (laughs) Yeah. And he called us from, uh, I think, 30,000 leagues under the sea. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I disagree with you, sir, whose name we don't know. But I hope you do continue to listen to the podcast. And I do hope uh, that someday you come to the surface (laughs) and make the rest of your phone calls. (laughs) Conan O'Brien needs a friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. 
Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.